1: Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just eight ninety seven at The Home Depot. How doers get more done.
2: at and connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with the three-hour philosophy show.
3: From the Berkshires to the sound. From wherever you live in MLB America, this is Inside the Parker. You give us 22 minutes and we'll give you the scoop on Major League Baseball. Now here's Baseball Hall of Fame voter number 103, Rob Parker.
2: Welcome to Inside the Parker. We got a great show for you today. Coming up, we're going to talk with former Twins outfielder Jock Jones he stops by, tells us about what he's doing post-baseball. It'll be an interesting listen. Plus, we'll do Foul Affair with Jr. Gamble. Jr. of course, from the ShadowLeague.com. We've got that and much more. I'm Rob Parker, your host. I'm here. You there. Let's go. Bam! Up,
3: up. To lead off, it's getting robbed. And keep him up. Rob's hot take on the three biggest stories in Major League Baseball.
2: Number one. Don't look now, but Ronald Acuna Jr. is headed for stardom. I know people know about him and he's been a, a, a really good player, but, but this year, more so than ever, it's hard not to look at this guy and think that he could be like a Mike Trout kind of person with the numbers he's putting up Acuna this past uh, week became just the second youngest player in baseball history behind yes Mike Trout to hit 30 home runs and steal 30 bases in the same season that's right and Acuna with about five weeks left to the baseball season has 36 homers 30 steals this was as of Tuesday and he could become you ready for this the fifth player in baseball history to join the 40-40 club. It's possible. It's reachable. You know what's even more scary? That he'll be 22 in December. This guy's tearing up Major League Baseball. People in the Braves organization know that they got a bona fide star. They have a guy who could be the anchor of their team for the next 10, 15 years. That's why the name... Uh, Mike Trout comes up. Um, One thing that's never been done in baseball is the 50-50 club. 50 home runs, 50 steals, especially since guys don't steal bases like they used to. But um, is it impossible? Is the sky not the limit? This guy was the 2018 National League Rookie of the Year for good reason. And there's no sophomore jinx, sophomore slump with Acuna. He has been lethal. That's why the Braves are in position to win the NLEs. The Braves are a really good team. And Ronald Acuna is a star. Bigger than just a rookie of the year. He's a star in baseball and could be the next 40-40 man. And you know what? That would be amazing. Number two. Yes, it lived up to the hype. The Yankees coming to Dodger Stadium the past weekend, and people talked about it as it was a preview, potential preview of the World Series, two-storied franchises meeting in uh, L.A. The Yankees don't come west and don't come to uh, uh, L.A. often. And, yes, the crowd, it felt like it was more than just a regular season game. It felt like a playoff game. Uh, on the three nights that they had baseball, and it was amazing. And you know what? Not only did being in the ballpark feel like this was something special, it also played well on television. Uh, Sunday night's game, the Yankees and Dodgers on Sunday night baseball delivered a 1.9 metered market rating on ESPN, matching the Yankees' Red Sox on July 28th, as the highest-rated Sunday night baseball of the year. That's according to Nielsen. And not only that, Sunday night's telecast was up 58% from last year's comparable game. And and you know what? It's a dream matchup for Major League Baseball. I know Astros fans don't want to hear it. They want a rematch with the Dodgers, the Astros-Dodgers from a couple years ago. But, boy, would this be something for Major League Baseball if it's the Yankees... And Dodgers, two biggest cities, two-story franchises, home run hitters, up and down each lineup, star-studded. It would be amazing, and I think baseball would flourish and all eyes would be on the fall classic if we re-round the clock and, you know what, went back to the uh, two teams that have faced themselves, faced each other the most in – World Series history, the Yankees and the Dodgers. Number three. Here we go. Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole are the two most dominant pitchers in the American League, and so it only makes sense that these two guys are battling for the AL Cy Young, two teammates. And uh, most people think that one of those two guys could wind up being the Cy Young Uh, for the American League. Right now, coming into Tuesday, Verlander led the league with 239 strikeouts. Cole had just one fewer, and Cole leads the AL with a 2.75 ERA. Verlander's ERA, 2.77. That's why a lot of people think that the uh, Astros have a great chance to win a World Series because they have these two guys at the top of their rotation. They also went out and made the big trade to get Zach Granke to be their third man. Imagine going into a series with those three guys at the top of the rotation. The only bad part is I still have a hard time with Verlander uh, basically having a reporter banned from the press box, uh, from the uh, postgame meeting with him because he didn't like the guy from the Detroit Free Press. Verlander's too good. He's a potential Hall of Famer uh, to be worried about reporters and doing stuff like that. The Astros were wrong for banning the reporter and not letting him talk to Verlander. And Verlander was wrong. Both of them were wrong. And the one part that I just still look at is I think the reporters, his, his uh, fellow scribes were wrong to take part in any press conference that Verlander was doing, especially when they all knew that uh The reporter from the Detroit Free Press was banned from taking part in a press conference. It sets a bad precedent. I know personally I would have never taken part of that press conference if another reporter had been banned. You know why? It could have been me.
1: 18 plus here comes the big interview
2: listen and learn oh it's so good all right let's welcome in former major league outfielder jock jones who came up with the minnesota twins in 1999 and he joins us on the inside the parker podcast what's happening jock Rob, how are you man? man doing great so I'm going to tell everybody, you know, people know that I, I'm an adjunct professor at USC. So I'm walking to campus on Monday, which was the first day of school. And who do I see with his backpack on his back? It's Mr. Jones himself. Man, what's going on? You go to USC? I know you
4: played there, baseball. But are yeah, you, man, what's uh, going on? So I, I came back. uh to uh, finish up. I had a year and a half left to finish. And uh, was, uh, I was actually saw you on campus last year, but I didn't stop you. And I was taking myself for not stopping you. But I saw you again, and I said, man, I'm going to stop this guy this time. And so uh, I've been going to school for the last year, and uh, my last semester, which is the fall semester of 19, yeah, my last semester, and I'll graduate.
2: Man, and uh, what, what are you majoring in? What's your uh, concentration?
4: Uh, sociology. Um... Was the study of people, and like I, it's always been on my, my heart. And I, I was a very active in the RBI program and the buses for baseball program with uh, Major League Baseball, and just to go back to my neighborhood that I grew up in and mentor the kids that uh, have come behind
2: me. Man, that's an awesome thing. And was it hard to go back to school? I mean, you're not a spring chicken now, 44 years old, to get back in the classroom with the kids and and just say I'm gonna finish this and make this happen.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know what to expect, but I know. I mean, I have kids myself. I have a 21-year-old. He's a senior at the University of Alabama. Uh, he's a criminal justice major. I've got a 13-year-old daughter, so I, I have a pulse on how kids are and how they act and how they interact, and I feel like I'm still a kid at heart. So I, I didn't feel like it was going to be that big of a deal, but uh, the first three weeks were kind of tough because the, the educational part of my brain was turned off because all I knew were numbers and what pitchers were trying to do and how they were trying to get me out and how, you know, as a coach, how to try to get the other, you know, get ahead of the other pitchers and the hitters and all that stuff. And so after about three weeks, everything seemed to settle in, and it was back to normal. It's still been pretty fun and easy.
2: Man, pretty amazing. Uh, Back in uh, 1996, you played on the uh, United States Olympic team, got a bronze medal. We see in the NBA now, like, uh, there's a lot of NBA players who aren't really – uh, May be interested in playing for those international kind of things. Uh, how? What was your experience like? And you think as we move forward and guys keep making bigger and bigger money, maybe you know playing uh, in events like the Olympics won't be as appealing? Um,
4: I, for me, it was great because. We can hold on to the fact that we were the last college team to participate in the Olympics. Um, we had a good showing. Looking back on it, though, it was—I I don't know if it was—it was more of an uh, experience thing for us again, experience. But it was a disservice because we we're playing against grown, mature men, especially on the Cuban side. You know what I mean? Right. But I, I, I think I think what what kind of deterred people from. Uh, maybe wanting to participate now is the freak thing that happened to Paul George. You know what I mean? Uh, Michael Jordan and those guys were, were the first really dream team to, to, to go out there and participate and win gold medals and then people uh, professional athletes fell in love with that but I think after this Paul George scene and and the way the contracts are and how much money these guys are making I think they're having second thoughts about participating in this kind of
2: thing no no doubt about it you broke in I said earlier with the twins in 1999 you wound up hitting 165 career home runs 277 batting average how many home runs would you hit in this baseball era with the tight baseball with guys swinging for the fences strikeouts don't matter how many home runs would you hit a season
4: I'd probably my career average would probably be 230, but I'd probably have a, a hundred or more home runs with the way these guys are going. I mean they. It just seems like everyone's trying to lift the ball out of the ballpark, and it's it's funny and interesting at the same time because I heard King Griffey Jr. on the telecast last night say, you know, the guys asking the home runs. He said, "Man, I just try to hit the ball hard on the line, and I miss hit like 40 every year, and they went over the fence." He goes, "But I try to hit the ball hard on the line, which is how I taught hitting when I was with the Nationals, and how I my which was my approach to hitting, which should be." what the approach to hitting
2: is now. I'm glad you brought up Ken Griffey Jr. LeBron James uh, said that, uh, and you were a left handed hitter, LeBron James said that uh, Ken Griffey Jr. had the sweetest swing in the history of baseball. I-, I believe the best swing does come from a left-hander, but do you agree it's Ken Griffey Jr. swinging from the left side?
4: I love Junior, and he's, he had a sweet swing, but I think the sweet swing is, it, I mean, it's probably a toss up between Ted Williams and Barry Bonds. I mean, Barry Bonds' swing was so short and direct to the ball, and he didn't try to lift it, and he, he I mean, his homers were on the line. Why? And... And if he if he mishit it a little bit and got under it, it, it went even further. <laughs> but his home, he hit the ball so hard, man, on the line, it just I mean, it left the park like like yesterday.
5: No,
2: I'm with you. I, I do have, if I were to throw in one as a as a secondary guy or close to it, I would say Daryl Strawberry's left-handed swing with that looping home run swing. What do you think about yeah, Strawberries? It,
4: it, it, yeah, it was short, too. It was short and powerful. I mean, his, even him, man, he didn't – I mean, he, he was already strong enough, so he didn't try to do too much. He just tried to hit the ball hard. and it's just a short, quick, compact swing.
2: No doubt about it. So, so tell me about uh, your major league career. You played in Minnesota, like I said, Chicago with the Cubs, Detroit, and, and the Marlins. What, what What sticks out to you in your mind, your baseball career? What was your moment when you were like, man, that was pretty awesome?
4: Um, Just looking back on it, how we were in Minnesota, we were a family, we were brothers, we were 25 brothers, we didn't all get along, but uh, you couldn't, I mean, we could fight amongst each other, but the other team, we protected our own, you understand what I'm saying? No, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. The further we get away from all that, like my friends are still Tory Hunter, Latroy Hawkins, Matt Lawton, and Eddie Guardado. Um, us five, we're still close knit. We we do family things together. Our kids are growing up. Our kids still interact. But you just don't find that, man. You don't find that family atmosphere and have good athletes and good baseball players all at the same time. Like we had that in Minnesota, and it was it was awesome. And and we we're all still in contact.
2: All right. His name is Jock Jones, man. Sweet left-handed swing, uh, former Major League outfielder. Hey, Jock, we appreciate your time, man. The best of luck, the school, and congratulations, man, at USC.
4: Thanks, Rob.
3: It's time for the Pocket Protector Central. The analytic numbers you need to know. Well, maybe.
2: FS1's Anthony Masterson is his name. BS Analytics is his game. What you
5: got for us, Anthony. All right, Rob, last week we talked about pitch framing, so for this week, let's stay behind the plate and talk about pop time. Now, pop time isn't necessarily a new thing or metric, but all the new technology surrounding the game gives us more of an opportunity to appreciate what a catcher can do. Frankly put, pop time measures the time from the moment the pitch hits the catcher's mitt to the moment the ball hits the projected fielder's mitt, say, on a stolen base attempt. It's a combo of how quickly the catcher releases the ball and the velocity the catcher fires the baseball. Now we can use all these metrics together to find the backstops that do the best at controlling the running game based on sheer physical talent and quickness. Now the average big league pop time on a steal attempt of second is just over two seconds. This year, Phillies All-Star catcher JT Realmuto leads all of baseball with an average pop time to second base of 1.88 seconds. Now, the quickest hands in the game, they belong to the White Sox' Wellington Castillo with an average exchange from glove to hand of .63 seconds, while one of the top catching prospects in the entire game of baseball, the Padres' Francisco Mejia, has the strongest arm of any catcher in the game. The 24-year-old has been clocked at 89 miles per hour this season on third to second. Rob, they are no longer the tools of ignorance.
2: All right, Anthony, good stuff. We might, just might be able to use that.
3: Hey, that ball is... It was a big week in the big leagues.
2: Who's up? Who's up? I don't believe it!
3: My, oh, my! Is it foul or is it fair? And now, here's ShadowLeague.com MLB insider, Jr. Gamble.
2: NBA superstar LeBron James. We know he has an affinity for the Yankees, but he says the greatest... Swing in the history of baseball belongs to Junior. That's Ken Griffey Jr. Jr. Is that foul or is that fair?
4: That's fair. It's a fair ball. I mean, Braun might not be a baseball guy, but he was just about dead on with this one. Um, Griffey certainly has a top five all-time swing. You now, as far as beauty and effortlessness goes, but he does have some competition in my book. Um. George Brett's swing was, like, picture perfect. You know, Will Clark had a pretty swing. Every swing he took, it was like he was taking a picture. You know, Tony Gwynn was, like, fundamentally omnipotent with his swing. Rod Carew was mechanical and pinpoint accurate. And let's not forget Dow Strawberry. He has a top ten swing all time. He came through the zone like like an extended laser. But no one will really put up an argument against the kid for best swing ever. It's an easy thing to put out there and not have anybody question your baseball gangster. So good move, by Braun.
2: Jr. the one thing I will agree, and I think any baseball fan would agree, the left-handed swing is the prettier swing.
3: Fasten your seatbelt. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me double what zi- Here comes Parker's top three MLB teams this week.
2: Number three. The Houston Astros coming into Tuesday, a record of 85-74. and Yes, we know they're loaded. They have unbelievable pitching. Two of their stars, Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole, are neck and neck for the Cy Young Award winning the American League. They're number one and two in strikeouts, which is incredible. And uh, Verlander, as well, has... uh, Won the award once. He's uh, finished second three times. And uh, here he is, long in the tooth in his career, but in the mix. But the Astros still, as good as they are, I have them as the third best team in baseball.
3: Number two.
2: The Los Angeles Dodgers coming into Tuesday, a record of 86-46. and 46. Incredible, 40 games over five hundred. And yes, but this past weekend, they had a chance to uh, really solidify that they were that team. And instead, they lost two of three to the Bronx Bombers in L.A. And even the one game that they won, they didn't hit in this series. Uh, they were able to escape with a two uh, to one win to for their only game in that series. The Yankees really dominated and hit better than the Dodgers. So I have them as the second best team in baseball. Number one. The New York freaking Yankees. And here's the reason to be afraid of them. Aaron Judge has his home run bat again. The Yankees entered Tuesday 85-47. and They've had nothing but injuries. We've chronicled that. But Aaron Judge hit a home run in each of the three games in Los Angeles. Some were just monster shots. One on Sunday to right field was just a laser. to center fielder to right center. Center fielder didn't even move. And this is just telling you about how powerful the Yankees are. Love their bullpen, yes. Starting rotation is iffy. But if they can get five innings out of their starters, they will be in place to have a chance to win a World Series. So right now... As I've been saying most of the season, the New York freaking Yankees are the best team in baseball. Take out the papers in the trash!
3: It's time for Trash Talk Twitter. Your chance to trash anyone or anything in Major League Baseball.
2: This week's winner is at Kanan Cadwell. He's an Astros fan and he ain't happy. He sent this tweet. Wow, the Yankees are guaranteeing a World Series between them and L.A.? The disrespect to the Astros. Can't wait till the postseason. End quote. If you want a chance to win a new era snapback, just like Kanan, send your trash to at Rob Parker FS1 on Twitter.
0: You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to luckylandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
3: When Rob was a newspaper columnist, he lived by this motto. If I'm writing, I'm ripping. Let's bring in a writer or broadcaster, old or new.
2: All right, let's welcome into the podcast my former radio partner. And, of course, uh, KMBR radio host in San Francisco. His name is Mark Willard. Mark, welcome to the podcast.
6: It's good to be with you, man. I'm I'm set to challenge you now to be uh, America's biggest baseball
4: honk.
2: You know it. All right, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs>
6: How are you doing? Everything
2: good? Everything is great. And I want to talk to you about both the Giants and the A's. Uh, yeah. The Giants are currently, uh, as of Tuesday, four and a half games out of the wild card. Mark, was it a smart decision to to hold on the players and not trade them away and make a push for the playoffs in Bruce Bochy's last season?
6: Yeah, it, it was in this respect. I don't think they were holding on and going for it as much as people think. I think the reason Madison Bumgarner is still a giant is because they didn't like the offers. I, I don't think it was because they dug their heels in and decided – uh, we're, we're going for it. If you look at the other moves they made, in fact, uh, they, they they did make moves that, that were established veterans for younger players. In other words, moves looking to the future. Uh, they gave up Sam Dyson and Drew Pomeranz and Mark Melanson out of their bullpen and uh, and got young guys. In fact, the guy they got for Pomeranz from the Brewers, their number three prospect, Mauricio Dubon, uh, is joining the Giants tonight and has been pulled up. The only... Uh, For now, acquisition they made uh, was Scooter Jeanette, which didn't cost them anything, and they just announced that they're releasing him as of today. So they did have an eye on the future, um, but I think that it it ended up making sense based on the lack of large offers the rental-type players were getting. Um, And so I just don't think they liked the offers for Will Smith or Madison Baumgartner, and and it kind of worked because they were winning some of the games at that point. The fan base really wanted them to hold on to those guys anyway, so I think that's why they did.
2: Speaking of the fan base, we know how great uh, baseball fans there are in the Bay Area, especially the Giants. I mean, for years packed them in, of course, won three World Series in a, in a short period of time, in six years. Uh, how tough is it to see the stands not filled and people you know, taking a break and figuring that they're going to reload and they'll be back?
6: Yeah, they, I, I think everyone's gotten used to it because it's been a little bit of a steady decline for the last three years. And actually, they had a pretty good summer because right when the kids got out of school, the Giants started winning and, and the ballpark was, while well, not sold out, I mean, it was it was north of 30,000 almost every night. Uh, and, and so that's that's certainly acceptable uh, with everybody going back to school in the last week or so. Uh, they had a game last night against the, the Diamondbacks that was a pretty – pretty quiet and and small crowd by their standards it, I think they announced twenty nine thousand but uh it's something that that you know it, it was a little jarring a couple of years ago but um it's understandable at this point it's it's a lot of the same players who are who are in decline they've also had some PR issues with what happened with uh Larry bear being suspended absolutely over the end of this year, right and so that's that that factors into all this but it's still a team that that is very much involved with the heartbeat of the city, and and you know as soon as as soon as they start winning uh, a few more ball games, I think it corrects itself pretty quickly.
2: Let's switch to the other team in the Bay, the Oakland A's, and they're going to make the playoffs again. It looks like it. They have a good team. They they're always around the the mix. They don't spend a lot of money. They don't have the biggest stars. They have some you know really good players, uh, Chris Davis and. Uh, but but this is the other thing. At some point, doesn't Billy Bean need to be able to win more than just make the playoffs <laughs> before you could really say that this guy is worth all the accolades and all the talk and everybody else following his rule? It's one thing to compete, but not to be able to advance and win in the playoffs. Do they have to do that at some point?
6: I don't know. I mean, first off, there's no, there isn't a fan base drumbeat for anything, right? The fan base doesn't demand anything because it's just not that huge of a fan base. Right. And when you also look at the resources uh, he's given, uh, making the playoffs with some consistency is actually amazing. Um, and, and the fact that you know they haven't been able to go deep in the playoffs, you know, it, it, it's it's kind of acceptable because every single year. They find diamonds in the rough. They've got good young players. When they get really good, they let them go, and then rinse, repeat, they do it again. So uh, every year they're good, yet it seems like every year it's a surprise again when they are. And so when it's a surprise when they're good, uh, there's just not that much pressure to do much when you get there. And so same thing this year. The Astros are the big dog in the division, and they'll win it. And and if the A's can somehow – grind out a wild card and then maybe do something with it if they get there. Um, You know, I think, um, you know, whatever fans they have will be satisfied.
2: And and just speaking of fans, that's the other part. When they get this new ballpark, do you think that'll change things? Because as much as people like, you know, look at the A's and think of them as the stepchild or whatever, that's a proud franchise that had some really great players and, and great teams at one point in Oakland. You think the ballpark will make that big of a
6: difference, Mark? Well, the interesting thing you said there is when they get the ballpark, and, and I would tell you that just about anybody in the Bay Area would say it's rather presumptuous to assume that what they are proposing is actually going to happen. And, and you know this: stadiums, especially in the state of California, are incredibly, incredibly tricky, difficult. The city of Oakland, we don't need to tell you what's going on stadium-wise there. The Raiders are going to Vegas, and the Warriors have moved to San Francisco. It is really tricky, and, it, and again, it's a team that does not have uh, behind it a big, loud fan base that's demanding things. So I would more say if that happens, then in a short sample, would it help? Absolutely. But you know this, Rob, it's just like the Chargers landing in L.A. when they went through a stadium thing, um, and it's not being that successful out of the gate because there just isn't that love from the fan base. And here in the Bay Area, the love is reserved mostly for the Giants. So I just I don't I don't know if anything long term or short term is going to be considered wildly successful in terms of numbers.
2: All right, his name Mark Willard from KNBR, one of the best talk show hosts in the Bay Area. We appreciate the knowledge, Mark. Thank you.
6: My dude, anytime. Now bring in the
3: closer. Strike
6: one. Strike two. Strike three. He's
3: out. Here's why MLB is better than the NFL or NBA. And it isn't even close.
2: This is why baseball is better than the NFL and NBA, especially when you talk about the NFL. You just can play the game longer. We just saw this. We saw a 29-year-old quarterback and Andrew Luck have to call it quits cuz he can't do it anymore. Can I run off the names and numbers of people who played major league baseball for 20 years? Derek Jeter played 20 years all in the Bronx. We know Cal Ripken Jr., we can go Dave Winfield, I could go on and on and on. You can play baseball for a long time. We're looking at LeBron James coming into year 17. Most of the guys in his draft class are long gone or not playing anymore. It's hard. You can play baseball for a long time as a player. Imagine logging 20 years, making all that guaranteed cheese. You want to talk about bonding with the player, not fearful that he's going to disappear after a cup of coffee and a sweet roll in the NFL? Doesn't happen. You buy a jersey, you're probably going to be pretty good. I know there's movement, but that player is going to be around for a long time. Baseball has longevity. That's why people were like, Kyler Murray, are you sure you want to play in the National Football League? I get it. You're a quarterback, you're going straight to the pros. There's no minor leagues, there's no buses. You're going to be a household name overnight. How long will you play in the NFL? Major League Baseball is the king when it comes to making money and having an extended career. That's why baseball is better than the NFL and the NBA. In the words of New York TV legend, the late Bill Jorgensen, thanking you for your time this time until next time. Rob Parker, out. He can't get it. This could be an
3: inside the Parker. See you next week. Same bad time, same bad station.
0: Visit LiveNation.com slash concertweek to learn more
1: and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum41, 30 Seconds to Mars. Oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.
0: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears.
6: This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen.